Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series, one by one. There are no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes. Uh, I'm Harrison, and I feel like I walked away from this episode an empty shell of my former self. And I'm Jason. They say that you hurt the things that you love, so I think I hurt the food that I get from Taco Bell by eating it. <laughs> Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Oh, we are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 13, Dead Things. Which I believe is what Sam saw in the water of the marshes when yes. in Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Indeed. Uh, this is the one where Warren... Uh, attempts to rape his ex-girlfriend and then succeeds at murdering her and uh, uh, in doing so attempts to frame Buffy for the crime. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, things are still toxic as fuck between Buffy and Spike. And, uh, I don't know, I don't don't think Dawn's a little, I think Dawn's just a teeny bit unfair I think she's a teeny bit unfair, but I do see where she's coming from. Yeah. I see how her emotions got there, um, even though I disagree. Dead Things was written by Stephen S. DeKnight and directed by James A. Contner and originally aired on February 5th in the year 2002. Yeah. Hit it. As always, we'd like to thank the band for uh, coming back and playing that intro for oh, us. Oh, yeah. They've been furloughed, uh, but, <laughs> but they're back on the payroll. Um, oh, I guess if anybody can use that, can use those words, too. <laughs> I spent a whole ass year unemployed. Um, it was not fun. Uh, Jason. Yep. What are you drinking? Uh, same thing as you to this week. Uh, I believe it's the uh, Jefferson small, very mm-hmm. small batch. Yep. Um, I've had this bourbon before. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, my uncle bought, uh, the one who got married this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, bought like a shit ton of these for my uh, my parents' uh, vow renewal last fall. Um, he bought like several cases of this and like a vodka uh, and some wines. And that was like his gift to them for their anniversary. And... Uh, we had some le- leftover bottles that <laughs> have been coming to various events and given out at various times. I do remember a few years back, um, my uncle, uh, he like, uh, at a family gathering, he had some bourbons that he wanted to show off and, uh, we did like little tastings of them. And I do remember that was one of them. Yeah. And it's good. It's, good. it's yeah. it, and it's like, um, I imagine it's one that's like relatively cheap to buy in bulk. Um, like, and I say relatively, I'm sure isn't cheap, but, um, uh, so yeah. Um, on that subject though, I would like to dedicate my toast this week, um, to my uncle Brian, who Mm -hmm. got married last night to his longtime girlfriend, uh, and now wife, uh, Kim, who, uh, she's, uh, she's wonderful. I love her. She's like my favorite. And, uh, my uncle Brian also introduced my parents and uh, introduced my mom to my stepdad. So, um, and he's also my godfather. So, like, you know, he's a very important person in my life. Um, and I was really happy to be able to be there to celebrate um, this next chapter in his life. So, here's to Brian and Kim. Brian and Kim. Are... 
Where the leaf is in the table, so we're... <laughs> we, had to, we had to stretch. <laughs> yes, that is good. That's nice. Mm. Nice and smooth. Yeah. It's not like uh, Andrew's reaction to the champagne. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I keep doing... I feel like I'm like... I don't remember what episode it is, but in Community... Where Britta's doing something like this with her hands, all like maybe it's name an episode of Community and she's yeah. doing something like that. But um, it reminded me a bit more of like uh, Uncle Iroh getting loose in uh, oh, yeah. in Avatar: Last Airbender. All right, so we're back after a bit of a time away. Yeah, and we are. I feel like we've uh, just we're just really diving headfirst into some misery porn this yeah. week. Like, <laughs> we may have a we may uh we may have gotten a needle drop from Bush, but uh I believe in this case, like Paramore, we're in the business of misery. Oh my god. <laughs> and you know, it's it's really funny because we we were gonna actually record last week and then we just kept pushing it back because life and on Wednesday I just had the worst fucking day. I, I woke up at like 5 a.m., couldn't get back to sleep, had to go to work, and it was really, really busy. I was just fucking miserable. And I knew this episode was the one we were doing, and I was just like, I just can't do it. I just cannot do this it. This is one that you kind of like have to be at your full mental capacity yeah. to, one, watch of your own volition, and two... <laughs> cause, and two, like, you know, talk about it in depth. And it's like, you know, I've, I watch, I, I mostly blame Joss Whedon for this, but there are some, uh, there are some things, both TV and movie, that I revisit um, because of, uh, you know, it, it gives me the feels. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's like, yeah, I really, need, I really need that darkness. It's basically like the TV and movie equivalent of listening to the Black Parade yeah. um, album by uh, My Chemical Romance. Damn, I'm like just dropping these, <laughs> dropping these bands left and right. I'm sorry. It's gonna be a music-heavy episode. <laughs> well, we just got like so into that bush needle drop, and since then... it was a fucking vibe. <laughs> so, anyway. um, so no, I'm I'm curious because I feel like this is an episode. I personally, I I quite like this episode. I think it's really strong, but I know it's also it's extremely polarizing for people. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar has actually stated. Uh, it's her least favorite episode, um, and it's specifically because of the scene of, with her and Spike on the balcony. Um, See, and yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that scene. It felt very like dollar ninety nine romance novel cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like it. It just it, it kind of had this, um, and some some people may say that like, oh, this is the reason, like. Uh, like it had like a very kind of Dracula interview with a vampire feel, mm-hmm. but like which I mean obviously Buffy takes inspiration from, but it felt like just a little too much mm-hmm. like that, like drawing from that like oh that that sort of stuff like I mean that's the stuff that people make fun of for Twilight having yeah I think I agree actually that scene is the one that I is I I do like the episode but I don't like that scene. Um, it's it you know it for me it crosses a line um 
and and I, let, actually, I'm just gonna read this quote from Sarah Michelle Gellar because um, it's um, it's a good good quote. She said, um, "I had trouble with the episode where Buffy had sex with Spike on the balcony while watching their friends. Um, I really thought that was out of character, and I didn't like what it stood for. That was the moment I had the most problems with." Uh, Joss always explained season six as being about your 20s when you're not a kid anymore, but you don't know what you want to do with your life. He always said that I didn't understand this season because I've always known what I wanted to do. I find that a little patronizing, but a little bit, yeah. uh, we, will, we, will, we won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, and that I didn't have that confusion, that dark, depressive period. But I think the heart of the show lies in the humor of the, uh, in the humor of the drama. I felt like Buffy's spirit was missing. Yeah, that I and you know, I I agree with like um, Joss Whedon's uh, description of the of the direction of the season uh, because that rings true in so many episodes. But I also agree with um, with like Sarah Michelle. Like I say, yeah. it felt very unBuffy. Yeah, I I think the part where she says it feels like Buffy's spirit was missing, I, I agree with. But I I think I would argue that that is the point. Is that Buffy is not herself? I mean, she is herself, obviously, as the end of the episode really drives home. But she is acting out of character because of everything that she's going through. But it is specifically that scene where she's watching her friends that crosses the line for me into just gross, just gross for the sake yeah, of it. Yeah, you know what I mean? It, it's it like adds a voyeurism. Mm-hmm to it that just doesn't feel right and there's like a lot of gross things in this episode it's you know it's it 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 doesn't tell me anything i don't already know about buffy's mental state yeah um and and there's also just i mean the based on the angle the implication that it's anal sex which like don't get me wrong like I love anal sex. Yeah. But like, <laughs> One would say that you're all about it. I have... I've done it before. But, um... <laughs> uh, top or bottom, who can say? Um, no one had any lube, so that's just... That's a problem for me, too, right there. <laughs> just like... Um, but anyway, let's get into it. Um, we start... It, what? <laughs> Nothing. It just made me think about... Uh, um, a couple weeks ago at Trivia, uh, I was like, uh, we were doing like this, um, oh, would you rather and, like game online that I found and I thought it was really funny and uh, it just made me think of like, one of the questions was, would you rather, it was basically between choosing between hot men and chicken. Okay. Um, and this was, would you rather have chicken tikka masala or go to a movie premiere with Michael B. Jordan? And I said, like, I'd like to eat Indian food with Michael B. Jordan. That'd be like a, that'd be kind of like a perfect night for me. <laughs> and um, and then my friend Michael said, Oh no, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to bottom Michael B. Jordan after eating Indian food. No. And that was, I totally get like, you know, Absolutely. yes, but He's also correct. that was so damn funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just bottoming in general after Indian food is. Is, is a risk, but... And listen, I don't know that Michael B. Jordan has a huge cock, but he has huge <laughs> cock energy, 
And yes, I am saying the man. The man like, definitely rocks the BDE like, big dick energy. I do like. Uh, I, you know, I want to be careful that I'm not stereotyping black men, um, but like he exudes the energy. He, he does, has the yeah. confidence and the charisma of a big dick. Um, but you know, I mean. Even me being a straight man, I still would love to have, like, a dinner of chicken tikka masala with Michael B. Jordan. I'm going to be real with you, Jason. Yeah. Uh, and this is not this is not the first time I've had this observation. I think, you, I think you'd turn for Michael B. Jordan. I think you have a little crush on Michael B. Jordan. So, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> you just, like, you in this, like, so sly in the, little well, grin. <laughs> in, in, the, in the regards of, like, um, I always, like, kind of think of myself uh, as... I always like to think of myself as that one statement by Todd in Scrubs, that Todd appreciates mm. hot regardless of gender. And, hey, I very much know, um, I am very much, like, I have no problem pointing out when I find, like, a man or anyone who's not a woman to be, to be like, very beautiful, very attractive. Like, I note that. Like my husband? I mean, yeah, you, you have a hot husband. I do. Sorry, I was just bragging. And also, and also, you're pretty hot yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. I wasn't fishing for it, but I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I, I have no problem. Like, I mean, I, I have to say, like, though, I am only sexually attracted to women. And Michael um, Jordan. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm... Michael, <laughs> B. Jo- Michael Jordan is kind of more of a. Um, he is. Like I've in many of my starts and stops with like trying to work out consistently. Michael B. Jordan, especially Michael B. Mm-hmm. Jordan in Creed, is like a He's always goal. been your fitness goal. It, yeah, it's a goal body. Like, it's a goal look. Like, oh man, if I get ripped, I want to be that ripped. Yeah. And I mean, so yeah, like, I, I say like, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm sexually attracted to Michael B. Jordan, but more that I kind of think that like, in my mind, the hottest man, mm-hmm. like what a hot man in my eyes is, is Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. He's got that esthete. He does, yeah. All right. I'm done busting your balls. Uh, <laughs> no, man, I, you want to talk about Michael B. Jordan? You can. <laughs> uh, this is now a Michael B. Jordan podcast. Uh, but <laughs> let's put that lost podcast on hold. <laughs> Booze and B. Jordan. All <laughs> uh, right. So, I'm down with that. We got plenty of material. You got. You got, like, some of The Wire. You got mm-hmm. some of Friday Night Lights. Oh, he was a baby in The Wire. He was. Oh, my I, gosh, I forgot. He, yeah, you got some of Friday Night Lights. Uh, and you've got, like, an amazing list of movies. He was in... He had a small recurring role in Parenthood. Okay. Uh, also, it's the same guy who did Friday Night Lights. A lot of... A lot of... A- Eric Balfour? No. No, Eric Balfour is... I thought he was, like, one of the creators of Friday Night Lights. I think so. Um, it's, like, Jason something. I'm Jason something. Correct. Because <laughs> uh, Eric, Eric Balfour is an actor. He was... Um, he is, but I also feel like he had some big role in... Like, some big behind-the-scenes role with... Uh, he was... No, Eric Kripke is the guy who did Supernatural. Um, um, Peter Berg. Peter Berg, okay. Yeah, never mind. But I don't maybe, know where I got Eric Balfour from. Maybe, My bad. Maybe he didn't do... He looks like he didn't do Parenthood. So why did I... Maybe the guy who did Parenthood was uh, Jason Caddams. Maybe he was like a writer on Friday Night Lights. Okay, I think uh, I think we're waffling. Yes. Because, we, so, because this is like a really tough episode to talk about. Buffy and Spike yet again. are fucking in yeah. his crypt. Um, they are under the rugs, which is... 
It just doesn't. The underside of rugs are coarse and just. I mean, I guess it. I guess like um. They're far away from the bed, as yeah, Buffy says. They, they missed, missed the bed again. Uh, <laughs> I do like spikes. And, good for the bed. And I think this is like. When did this episode air? Two. Uh, shit, I was the one who said it. Yeah, so it's February. So, I mean, you know, it gets cold in the San, Di- or in the San Francisco, Sunnydale area. Mm-hmm. We, we said it was San Francisco, right? Uh, San Santa Diego. Barbara. Santa Barbara, I think okay. is what I, I mean, is what has been. If it's, close to the, if it's close to, like, water, then it'll get cold around that yeah. time of year. Uh, but, so I don't know, maybe, like, that was the closest thing that they could put over themselves to stay warm. I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, I wouldn't want to have like a. I wouldn't want to use a rug as my PG thirteen cover. My <laughs> shot. Um, they after they finish though, they actually start having a conversation, like a kind of pleasant one. And it was funny as I was watching it. I was, I was thinking like, it's toxic as fuck, but like I cannot deny the chemistry between the two actors, like. Oh, no, like, um, well, I mean, I guess, like, even as far back as season two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, James Marsters and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar have had, like, a very good chemistry. And, I mean, granted, James Marsters has good chemistry with literally everybody in this cast. Oh, yeah. Um, which, I mean, it's why they brought him back. Yeah, I mean, he's a very charismatic man. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the, it's the community joke where Jeff's like, it's called chemistry. I have it with everyone. <laughs> um, but, uh, as Spike kind of points out, like, hey, we're having a pleasant conversation. Buffy, you know, gets pretty guarded. Uh, he asks if she even likes him and she's like, sometimes. Um, and then he pulls out, uh, as she's trying to get dressed, he pulls out a pair of handcuffs, asks if he trusts her, she trusts him, and her response is, never. But it's kind of like that playful never. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see later that, uh, I don't call a ton of attention to it, but we definitely see her rubbing her wrists later, I think, when she's talking to Tara. Um, so, you know, make of that what you will. Um, have you ever tried that? No, actually. I never have. I am interested in it. I don't think I would enjoy handcuffs, though. Because um, they're very uncomfortable, and I just don't think I could... I'm sure that there are handcuffs like, that are made specifically for this purpose. Oh, and they do. They have some that are, like... They've got, like... I mean, you see the ones, like... like the Spencers fuzzy. and stuff that like have the fuzzy on mm-hmm. them, and I, like, I wouldn't be into that either. But, like, just some... Ropes, maybe I could be I could be inter- interested in, in 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 experimenting with that. We're we're not here to we're not here to kink shame unless you're having sex while watching your friends from afar. Yeah, was, I I did specifically say that during that scene, just because like oh that just feels icky. We are a very sex positive yeah. podcast. We do not kink shame except in that specific instance. <laughs> it was really funny. Jason just went kink shame. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, my uh, group of people that I used to work with, um, they played the game uh, Kink Shame or Kink Same. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, the trio are hiding out from Buffy in a underground lair. 
aka a basement. Um, aka Andrew's house. Um, oh, was it Andrew's house? Yeah, because well, like, because uh, um, Andrew says like I didn't think living with super villains was gonna be like part yeah. of the deal. And I think he does say, like, don't touch my stuff because Jonathan's going through his records. Oh, which yeah. Which includes a Peter sense. Frampton album. Um, they have put together um, a cerebral dampener. I do enjoy... Enjoy. <laughs> um, I appreciate narratively the way that each member of the trio um, contributes to it. Um, with their specific specialities. Yeah. Andrew bring, provides, like, some essence of a demon. Warren, like, provides the technology. And Jonathan uh, does the spell that makes it all work. Um, they could be a formidable force if they weren't so goddamn awful. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they... Um, the cerebral dampener they have built specifically to turn any woman into their sex slave. I'm really unhappy that I had to say the word sex slave today. Yeah. Um, but it is. What Let's happened? get back to talking about ropes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of kink shame, sex slaves. Um, well, I mean. I shame that kink. Unconsensual. Yes, sex slaves. Yes, I do know that like that sort of role playing is uh, is done, and that's fine. Yeah, but we don't mind control people. Yes, we are anti. And, and this yeah. is an anti mind control podcast. Yeah, I mean, and Katrina and is Katrina is right right before she says something particularly awful about the prison system, but she is right. Like this is this is like tantamount to rape. Yeah, I really. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring that up too. I am really glad that the episode calls it what it is, yeah, which is rape. And then, yes, she makes the, you're going to prison and we'll see how you like getting raped, which I was like, ooh, that's rough. But at the same time, I don't know that I wouldn't have said something similar in that situation. Here's the thing. Um, I feel like that sort of, that situation, that specific situation um, became very prominent in shows like Oz mm-hmm. and um, and hell and the Shawshank Redemption it's mm-hmm. implied as well uh, but I feel like for way too long it becomes it's a punchline yes oh um, absolutely yeah, no, especially like, in the in the odds yes um, I mean but yeah like Friends had like a really bad one um, well maybe not as bad as this mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it's like when um Rachel and Monica are like uh, fighting over uh, who gets to like go on a date with Jean Claude Van Damme, and uh, and like Phoebe like kind of grabs them both by the ear and like tells them to stop, and she's like, "Oh hey, if this were prison, you guys would be my bitches." <laughs> I mean, Sorry. It, no, no, like it, it's meant to be funny, yeah. but it also like I mean, way too long. Unfortunately, that became just like a. Either you assume that it happens, mm-hmm. or, or it's like let's just like make fun of it. Yeah, I mean, and, so many drop the soap jokes. Yeah, like, um, no, I. But yeah, I, I really do appreciate the show calling it what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go on a bit of a soapbox um, because I've, I've noticed in the last couple of years, and I'm really going to put a lot of blame on TikTok for this, but not all of it. Just a lot of censoring. Of yeah. these sort of subjects. And I understand. Subjects like rape 
subjects like suicide, uh, sexual assault. Um, these things are difficult to talk about, uncomfortable to talk about, triggering to talk about. And, you know, I do think we have to be thoughtful and responsible in how we approach these topics. And, um, but I feel like people are really swerving too far into the other direction of being like, we can't talk about it because it's, because it's difficult or, or we have to tiptoe around it and use like cutesy language. Like the one that really, really pisses me off. Like I, and I'm not, it's not even like a, oh, this like, it annoys me. It legitimately makes me angry is the term unalive. Um, especially when it's referring to suicide, because I have lost more than one person in my life to suicide. Um, and when I hear someone use that they, they unalived themselves, it makes me insanely furious um, for the memories of these people. Like, it feels so disrespectful to talk about that in such a way. And unfortunately... <laughs> Sorry. I get a little heated. And as you step off the soapbox, I will get on there as well. And unfortunately, that kind of unneeded sensitivity um, or unneeded caution is like kind of giving conservative politicians like the door that they need to Mm -hmm. like group um like sexual orientation and uh you know gender studies like group all of that under that as well and that's why like all that shit that Ron DeSantis passes in Florida Mm -hmm. like that's why he's able to do that like I mean people think that that like oh we have to like you know cover the ears of our kids it's like no we can't cover the ears of our kids we have to Tell them. We have to yeah. give them the context. Yeah, we have to be able to talk about these yeah, things. Yeah, I like. I, I understand that. Like, it's a it's a dark, scary world out there. But I mean, shit. You can't like pretending that it's not mm-hmm. is just as bad as as like going out there. Yeah. Uh, like going out there unprepared at all. Yeah, and like, listen. Do what you have to do to protect yourself. If this, if you know those subjects, you know are really uncomfortable to you and you need to remove yourself from conversations around them or just say, hey, now is not the time to be talking about that. Like, by all means. Like, but yeah, we have to, like, like I said, we have to be sensitive and smart about how we talk about these things and how we engage with the subject matter, but we can't just pretend it's not what it is. Yeah. So, um, I saw one one time that was... First of all, it just confused me because I had to read the sentence like three times before I was like, what? Um, but also it just was that same vein. It was like someone posted something about like Fred Weasley passed away at the Battle of Hogwarts on this date. And I was like, no, he was killed. Yeah. Like, I, it, like I said, I had to read it three times. So I was like, passed away? What? Why are they saying that? Because it's I mean, such a, it's like, like it's even like it, also it's it, a fictional character, and, and like <laughs> and you know it like reaches even like kind of more annoying uh, things. Like uh, I know this one guy who um, like one of the one of my favorite accounts on TikTok at the moment is this uh, Irish guy that uh, restores old tools, and that a lot of the things he restores are like axes and saws, and if it shows him like you know. Uh, if he's got like an axe that he just restored and he like flips it in the air and catches it apparently TikTok says like oh that's dangerous behavior and takes down the video I'm like really? yeah so 
I mean, I don't, I don't think people are going to see that video and their immediate takeaway is like, oh, I need to get an axe to throw around. I mean, it would be mine, but I'm a special breed. You, you really, <laughs> truly are. Um, at the Devil Meat Palace, uh, also thank you for listening to our round. Um, probably like, when are we going to talk about Buffy again? <laughs> um, at least that was on topic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Buffy takes a break um, when Tara shows up to have a conversation in private. Uh, This is where we see her rubbing her wrists. Um, Tara initially believes that something has happened with Willow. Um, And it's very interesting that her first question is, like, what did Willow do? Did she hurt somebody? Yeah. And I think... And I think that just comes out of caution. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I think... Because Willow hurt her. That too, but also I think that Tara's the only person that truly grasps how dangerous mm-hmm. Willow can be. Yeah. And uh, so I think she's probably just like, you know, on pins and needles, just like worried about what could happen yeah. next. I think the only other person who, who really understands at the same level of, as Tara is Giles, and he's not here. Um, and you're right, I, I'd be willing to bet that Will Tara has been waiting for this call um she's been waiting for someone to call her and be like we need your help with willow uh but buffy explains that no willow's actually doing great she's you know she's not been using magic she's uh the problem is uh spike's chip not uh affecting him when when he hits her um and she would like tara to look into the spell that they used to bring her back to find out if something went wrong if she came back wrong specifically which is like words that uh spike used yeah and um obviously she doesn't want to take this problem to willow um even though uh this is really nobody else that she can take it to because yeah yeah like because you know anya and um and xander don't know the full extent of the spell yeah and uh, and Willow, I mean, you're trying to keep her as far away from magic as you can, bringing up the most dangerous spell that she's ever done. Not the best thing. Yeah. I think Anya could maybe be... Anya has a lot of life experience. Um, so I think Anya could potentially push her in the right direction of where to look, but wouldn't have the same expertise that Willow and Tara would. Um, I also think... You know, I'm I'm curious if obviously she can't go to Willow because of Willow's magic problems, but part of me does wonder if that is a con- not a convenient excuse for Buffy, but if that's just oh, she's definitely ashamed of this. Uh, yeah, if 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 it, if that were not an issue, I wonder if she still would have gone to Tara because she doesn't want to tell Willow what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, she says in the episode, like she feels like, like what would, what would they think if they knew? Yeah. Um, I I really just also just love how, um, the relationship between Buffy and Tara is not one that the show goes to very often. Um, it's really this kind of this here in season six and in uh the aftermath of Joyce's death in season five. Yeah. But every time they do go there, I love the dynamic between the two characters. Yeah. It's, it's really one 
Unfortunately, Tara is a character who um, Anya is this way too. Anya just has a lot more obvious personality to shine. But both of them are largely satellites to their respective love interests. Yeah, and um, and I think when we have something that doesn't happen as often as Buffy and uh, and Tara, when it does happen, it's um, it, it's just like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it feels special. Uh, yeah. And it feels like it opens Tara up more as a character. I feel like she has a relationship to Buffy um, that's not not just that she's Willow and Buffy are friends and Mm -hmm. she's dating Willow. Um, So, and it's also like, I like scenes where they show Anya and Tara hanging out or Tara and Dawn. Like those all just makes her world seem a little richer, even though she is a pretty tertiary character. Um, the, uh, Tara agrees, by the way. (laughs) Warren, uh, goes to a local bar, um, perhaps the silver or the gold, we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and he is, uh, looking for women while Jonathan and Andrew watch via a camera and an earpiece. Um, they are pointing out specific women they think he should go after, including one woman with, uh, was it Bazoombas? Bazoombas, yes. Um, and they start chanting Bazoombas, uh, very mature, um, very grown up people, these are. Uh, but he has other plans, and he approaches ex-girlfriend Katrina. Well, yeah, and this was always his plan. Because, oh, absolutely. Because, he's a fucking yeah. creep. Well, like Warren even says, like I know just where to start. Mm-hmm. And at first, I'm sure some people thought that he was like going to go right after Buffy. Um, oh, ew! I actually I didn't think oh, that. Okay. But now this is also just like I've seen the show several times right. over the years. So there's a chance. Eleven years ago, when I first watched it, thirteen years ago when I first watched it, fuck, um, I might have thought that and have just have forgotten that that was my initial reaction, but. Ugh. But yeah, he he, he had his eyes for Katrina. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good to see Katrina. Well, um, well <laughs> like it, it, it's it's good to see that they were able to get that same actress yes. from... Uh, um, dang it, it's the episode before the body. Uh, uh, I was made, made to for, love you. Made to love you. Yeah. I said made for loving. <laughs> <laughs> I was made for loving. Yeah, no, she, uh, and she's really good. It's a small role, obviously, but uh, particularly in the scene we kind of already talked about. Um, she's just, she shows a lot of strength, like inner strength and personality. When she sees who it is, she's like, what the fuck? I don't want to fucking see you. Creep. Um, I also noticed in this episode that I've never really noticed before that she looks um, quite a bit like uh, Elizabeth Ann Allen, who plays Amy. Um, especially you know, with her hair. Okay, down. yeah. So it's actually funny that you said that because when um you had the DVD menu pulled up and you had the dead things like uh menu sub menu mm-hmm. pulled up, when I saw like the picture of what ended up being Katrina, I did think for a hot minute that that was Amy. Yeah, she doesn't look like her when her hair is pulled back, which we see in the flashback to "I uh, Was Made to Love You." Mm-hmm. Um, I, my brain is also trying to say, "I only have eyes for you," just like. <laughs> Excellent episode, but not what we're talking yep. about. Um, and the, the the resemblance goes away. It, I think it has a lot to do with how she, her hair is styled. But yeah, she is 
pissed uh, to see him. Uh, it should be noted that uh, he has ditched his earpiece. Uh, so Andrew and Jonathan don't really know what's going on. Um, they can see her through the camera, but they don't hear the conversation, which is relevant later. Um, but yeah, she she rejects them outright, but he uses the cerebral dampener on her. And she immediately refers to him as master. And I immediately dry heaved. So Ugh. I think, um, and we'll get into this more uh, when we actually talk about like what happens once Katrina's out of his control. Uh, I feel like the um, like the people that a lot of Buffy fandom sees the uh, trio as lame villains, mm-hmm. um, and you know. As a trio, yeah, they, they, they lean more towards, like, the comedically they suck at what they do thing. Yeah. I would think... I actually am kind of okay with putting Warren as one of the... Uh, one of the more evil uh, oh, yeah. villains. Because, I mean... Absolutely. Yeah, because, like, uh, you know, uh, like, some of your, um, some of your big bads have, uh, you know, these desires for world domination... Um, but, uh, you know, Warren very much is just all about these base desires Mm -hmm. and, um, it's like, he's not even trying to aim, like he says like, oh yeah, I definitely like want to conquer the world, but he doesn't want to conquer the world. He wants to like, you know, see himself as like a big strong Mm -hmm. man that like all the women like bow to. Yeah. And it's. And he's just a disgusting human being. And honestly, you know, if I found myself in a room with, like, you know, Warren and, uh, honestly, really any of the other big bads, um, I would actually be more comfortable with one of the other big bads than I would be. I can hang with Lori. Like, (laughs) that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) Um, hell, man, I'd even have, like, I'd even have a lengthy talk with Adam over... Yeah. Over like talking with Warren. The thing, the thing, I think, what differentiates Warren in so much, so many ways is that, you know, all the other villains of the show are supernaturally evil. You know, they are a vampire in the case of the Master or um, Angelus. They are a hell god. They are a Frankenstein. Um, you know, even the mayor was human, but his goals were to become demonic. Right. Um, Warren is a man. Warren is a disgusting, misogynistic man. Um, and yeah, and I think this episode is the one where, you know, I, I made the comment earlier in the season that the the trio are, like, cosplaying as villains. Yeah. And I think this is the episode where we see um, Warren become the actual villain that he's been pretending to be by committing this act and not feeling any remorse for it. Um, We see Jonathan begin to reject it after this happens. And then we see Andrew kind of in the middle. We see in the immediate aftermath of Katrina's death, he is freaking out just as much as Jonathan is. But by the end of the episode, he's like, we got away with murder cool yeah um andrew unfortunately really tries to be ride or die with warren mm-hmm. because let's be honest we all know why yeah he's fucking in love with warren absolutely he is he's and it's i i feel bad for him in a way well in a way in a yeah. way i feel bad for him 
at the same time, I'm just like, you helped yeah, cover up a murder. No, right? no, no, no. no. <laughs> like, it, it, it sucks that, like, your your pe- your feelings that you can't express to anybody are what drove you to this, but you still did it. Yeah. He's very easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully that's not too big of a spoiler that Andrew's in love with Warren. Nah, I feel like that's, that feels... That feels like a safe thing. Because, I mean, this is the thing. It's never something that's explicitly text. So, like, it, it really is just supposition. Right? Is that a word? Yeah, like, we suppose that that's... I think mm-hmm. I, I think I used that word correctly, and I'm not going to check. You're the writer, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, so I feel like that's fair for... I feel like that's fair game on the spoiler rule. Um, Buffy returns home after work to find uh, Xander and Don. Uh, swing dancing while uh, Willow and Anya watch. Will Puffy is a little worried that it might be another musical, but <laughs> they're just practicing. They're just teaching Don some da- dance steps for the wedding. Yeah, cute. Um, uh, Xander, Anya, and Willow have plans to go to uh, Bronze. Beers on Xander because he's the only one with a job. Well, Buffy has a job, but um, oh, and Anya has a job, um, and. Willow or Don kind of has a job stealing things, but okay. <laughs> um, get a job, Willow is what I'm saying. No. Um, but uh, Don declines, uh, well, Buffy declines first. She just wants to hang out at home with Don, but Don is going over to Janice's house. We get a nice callback to As You Were. No, it's like, oh, you think I'm gonna fall for that? Sorry, As You Were is an episode coming up all the way. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Buffy's like. Um, God, I wish I could remember exactly what she said because it was a, it was a good turn of phrase. Yeah, it was like, she said like, "Oh, what made you think that I'm going to fall for that lobotomy?" Yes, that was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lobotomy. But Willow does uh, vouch for Don. Uh, she she did confirm with Janice's mom. So I do like how everyone's guardians are learning and growing from from this experience. Um. Uh, but yeah, Don makes a bit of a well. I didn't think you were going to be around anyway. Sort of comment that yeah, look, rude, Don. Don is so yeah. I I totally get like, and we mentioned this at the top of the episode. I do think Don is kind of being unfair. Then again, like Don, it seems like Don just has a track record of being unfair with Buffy. Well. And in all fairness, Don's also a teenager, so yes. it's literally always about them. I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for Don. And actually, in the scene in her bedroom later, I'm, I am i don't want to say that she's right, but I really feel for her in that scene. Um, it, it comes across a bit like uh, tone deaf almost. Yeah. Like, uh, Oh yeah, you're like you're never here, and you never like you didn't want to come back. Um, She's really centering herself. She she is, and I mean, also, Buffy is here though. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, maybe she does want to be back in heaven. Who fucking wouldn't? But she's here, and you know she. You know, I mean, like, Dawn's been through, like, all the, you know, the visits from the random, like, social services lady. It's like, hey, you know, like, what Buffy has, like, one, you know that Buffy's the Slayer. She's got to keep doing what she do, what she do. Yeah. <laughs> but she also has to, um, you know, provide. And, yeah, Giles isn't here. 
So she and Willow is like her job. Her job right now is getting better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So Buffy has to do this. I mean, Buffy is like. Buffy is flipping those uh, all veggie burgers, that impossible meat, mm-hmm. so that like she can keep a roof over their heads. And I guess like, I, I mean, I guess like it, it, being thirty three and not sixteen, <laughs> it's easier for me to like realize just like, oh, I need to be more grateful for what I do get from Buffy. Uh, but then again, you know, I've also never had the experience of having a single parent, or in this case, like. No parents and having like a guardian take over. Yeah. So, I mean, I I assume that like, yeah, it's definitely like a harder dynamic. But at some point, you really just kind of have to grow up mm-hmm. and realize what the circumstances are. Now, that's a little unfair. Dawn is two years old. So. That is true. <laughs> She's a literal infant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I actually think Don would really benefit from Buffy and her sitting down and having a conversation. I every single fucking character in this show would benefit from oh sitting down and talk to each other. But Don in particular, I really think Buffy needs to be able to say, like, Don, this is the reality of our situation, and I need your help. To I totally make understand Don being flippant or Don being mad about Buffy being turned invisible. And everything, because Buffy was kind of like being, like I said, now's when I want to use the word flippant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was being like very like, oh, hey, isn't this cool? Like, look at what I can do. And, look uh, what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> so I can totally get Dawn being upset about that. But Dawn being upset about this, it's like, you're, you're never here. I'm like, well, Dawn, there's a reason. And I mean, she did just like offer to like stay in and like watch some movies and eat some popcorn. Uh, like she did that just the other day. Yeah. Huh. Don, Don, Don. Yeah, like I, I feel like you know we obviously are pro Don podcast, but I feel like um I totally get if this is where your dislike of Don has come from, like this stretch of episodes in the season. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Don't necessarily agree with it, but I get it. Yeah. If you don't like Don because of season five, you're wrong. I, 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 yeah, I'm right there too with you. I just, this, uh, there's also a bit of, it just feels like the writers were like, oh shit, what do we do with Dawn? Yeah, we, we got Michelle Trachtenberg on contract. <laughs> um. Um, back at the lair, uh, they have dressed Katrina up as a maid, sexy maid. Uh, they, she is serving them uh, champagne. And uh, he, uh, Warren, uh, takes Katrina into the bedroom, or just like some sort of spare room, uh, to have sex. They, no, not to have sex. Let me rephrase that. To rape her. Um, Because that's what it is. He tells her to, and she's like responding, yes, master to Mm -hmm. everything. He tells uh, Katrina to get on her knees, Ooh. and uh, I, I wanted to give you a break from saying the, the nasty stuff. Thank you. And, <laughs> um, and then she says, "Yes, Warren." And so you know, Warren's like totally getting into it, and he's like, "Wait a minute, what did you call me?" And Katrina breaks out of his control. Uh, can we just talk about uh, Katrina just busting out some Slayer moves, like? 
Uh, girl has been taking some self-defense classes after nearly getting choked out by a robot. Um, she throws his ass out of that room. He catches some air. Um, <laughs> like, it really did feel like they forgot for a second that this character wasn't Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think, um, and also, like, uh, I think, is she wearing heels um, as part probably. of this ensemble? Almost but, Yeah, like, I mean, Katrina's, like, a very, like, tall person just already but putting the heels she like towers over them yeah she looks like she could she looks like she could like mess a few of these like nerds up yeah (laughs) um and this is where it's found that jonathan and andrew find out that katrina uh is warren's ex and finally they they like have some human reactions to that and they're like wait that's so messed up and it's like was already messed up, but at least we found Jonathan some standards. Is, I, 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 they say that it's messed up. Jonathan is more worried about the fact that like Buffy could connect it to them because yeah. that's what she does. She does, and hey, that's what she did. Yeah, that's what she do. Jonathan also, um, when Katrina tells them that what they're doing is rape, um, Jonathan has that look of, and I just would really give credit to um, to our boy. Danny Strong for this act, moment of acting, uh, this acting choice he makes here, where this look of horror, um, and like he, it, it's this look of horror, and he says no, but you can see in, he, in his eyes he realizes that she's right, and he's like really violently confronted with that, and he carries that when um, when Warren murders her, yeah, and he's like, you killed her, and. And then, of course, fucking War is like, no, we killed her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so as she tries to escape, she falls, and Warren, um, yeah, Warren hits her over the head with the champagne bottle, killing she, her. Um, she, like, at, she tries to get up the stairs, Warren grabs her, she scratches his face. Oh, yes. I leaves love a that. Big old, big old cut down, his, down the left side of his face. Yeah. I hate to see her go, but I, I was happy to see her go fighting. Yeah. Cause... And then. Warren hits her on the head with the champagne bottle. Um, and uh, that's when uh, he says, like, I think, what does he tell Andrew to do? He says, like, um, like try to put the spell back. Does he try to put the spell back on her or try to, like, I, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what he does, but Andrew Andrew finds out, like, that yeah. she's dead. He wa- Yeah, he wants them to use the cerebral dampener on her again while she's, un- well, he presumes that she's unconscious. Um... But yes, Andrew's like. She's and dead. by the way, they tried using it again um, as she was on her way out. Uh, it was out of juice. Yes. Um, they Warren's trying to figure out how to get rid of Katrina's body. Um, it's very interesting. He specifically refers to the body as it. Um, he asks it, Jonathan if he can like teleport it, and Jonathan says, "No, she's." Then he backspaces and says, it's too I big. That as well. I thought that was really nice, really nice detail there. But yeah, basically Jonathan, uh, Jonathan and Andrew will say, you know, it was an accident. It really wasn't, but, um, but they are like, we should go to the police. We, and Warren says no. Like, so it's like, it, it's actually like a really cool, um, parallel with Buffy, mm-hmm. um, when both are confronted with the truth and I say truth in quotes for Buffy, 
that they're responsible for Katrina's death. Warren, when the idea of like turning going to the police, um, he like immediately says like, "No, absolutely not." Buffy is like, "I did this. I have to take responsibility." Yeah. So, I mean, there's a good like hero villain. Yeah. Um, here, like hero villain comparison right there. And then you also have following that same line, Jonathan and Andrew. Um, uh, wanting to go to the police initially and Spike being the one on the other side of it saying, no, we're not doing mm-hmm. this. Um, and Dawn a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, basically he, and this is the thing, Jonathan and Andrew, they go to the police right now. They're going to be in the clear. They, I mean, I'm not going to say they didn't do anything wrong, but like they, they're, if they get charged with anything, they probably could have a lawyer that says, like, hey, if you, if you like, give the evidence about, like, Warren, then, hey, yeah. you're... Well, so they, I don't even know what they could be charged with, because what they were doing was mystical. Like, it's going to be, you know, if they go, we were in this basement with this girl that, you know, his ex-girlfriend that we mm-hmm. brought back, she wanted to leave, he tried to stop her, he hit her with the bottle... The cops yeah. aren't going to give a shit about the the spell that they were doing because yeah. they're probably not going to believe it. So, um, but the second that they agree to help Warren, they're in it. Mm-hmm. They're they are accomplices now. Um, and yeah, he manipulates them into believing that they're already accomplices, and they are. Like I want to be very clear that I'm saying, but they in the all, eyes of the law, they, they would probably yeah, be. They all got her. Like they all, they all kidnapped her. Yes. Because, you know, Warren wouldn't have had the means without Jonathan and Andrew's contributions. They all kidnapped her. They all drugged her. Yeah. Um, let, let's just say what it is. Yeah. Um, Warren did kill her. So, yeah, like, I'd say that more of, like, um, to that, Jonathan and Andrew are accessories. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, war. Let's not lose sight of the fact that Warren fucking killed her. Yeah, I I guess the angle I'm thinking at it from is less on a moral side of it. It's mm-hmm. just the police are going to have a harder time pinning right. anything actually on Andrew mm-hmm. and Jonathan, um, especially if they turn in the murderer. Yeah. Um. But uh. Did you do? But uh, this is when uh, Warren decides, you know, Jonathan, as you mentioned, says that, you know, he has a connection to Katrina. Buffy will figure it out. It's interesting that um, despite this being a murder, um, which is really outside of Buffy's purview, um, uh, or would be outside of Buffy's purview if the three of them hadn't been targeting her t- specifically. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think Jonathan, like, jumps to that conclusion yeah. because he knows that, like, they're on Buffy's radar now. Exactly. I mean, that's why they, that's why they left Warren's basement. Yeah, he doesn't even, they, he doesn't even care about the police finding out. He is worried about Buffy finding mm-hmm. out. Um, and that's when John, uh, Warren starts to come up with an idea of a way to use this murder uh, to his, uh, to their mutual advantage in getting Buffy off of their backs, and I have to be honest. Uh, I mean, this plan comes really close to working. 
Yeah, no, if Buffy it's, had it, never it's, found out who the victim was. Yeah, no, it's it's like it's a solid villain plan. Again, why I say like you know you can bash the trio all you want, but Warren is, in his own way, a very good villain. Yes, and I you know I think I mentioned when they were introduced at the beginning of the season, um, they they have their role, mm-hmm. they have a specific and important role. And we're starting to see that play out more, yeah. especially as we see Warren in particular take a very dark turn. It's it's a I don't want to say fun journey because that's me <laughs> that I'm that I'm making light of it, but it is a very interesting journey to watch mm-hmm. to see these guys just be like these dorks that are um, just trying to get like money and women into what they are becoming now and what they're eventually going to become. Yeah. Um, at the bronze, uh, it's like swing night at the bronze. I love yeah. it. Um, uh, Xander and Anya are dancing. They're having a fucking blast. Um, uh, I don't know if this was direction or just character choice, but Emma Caulfield, she's that face is going, and I was living. I think I I like to think that um, Connor told them to just like you know guys just have fun. Do what you want to do yeah. and. I like to think Yeah, that, I get to dance whatever I want to do and get paid for it. Hell yeah. I like to think that a lot of those dance scenes at the bronze, I mean, I don't know this to be true, but I like to think that they are just fun to shoot. Um, yeah. Uh, they, Willow and uh, Buffy do briefly talk about uh, how Willow's doing, how her recovery is going. Um, it's a nice if not completely honest moment between the two. Um, I think Willow's being open and honest, and we know that Buffy is very much not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Willow... Also, I like this scene because it sets up like the willow Terra scene later. Yes. Um, and uh, I like it. Yeah. I, like, I like seeing the progress that Willow has made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she has... When she finally has that moment with Tara you get like this genuine like uh oh yeah i'm I'm trying and uh and that just like gives you this really nice payoff when tara like turns around and says like i'm glad that you're doing that yeah i love that yeah um willow goes to dance and this is when buffy goes upstairs do we've i feel like we've already talked about it do we need to do you have anything more you want to add about this scene not not really like it it feels it, it, it it feels very not buffy in a not good way more just like it's yeah it, it seems like it's meant for this weird kind of drama like erotic drama that I don't normally associate with Buffy and mm-hmm. doesn't really work yeah yeah it's just a step too far for mm-hmm. me um so um do 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 hold on I got away from things um. Uh, I actually I will say I do have one more thing I want to add about this scene okay. that uh, I do like it for Spike um, I I narratively appreciate the way that he is tr- he's using this as an attempt to try and alienate Buffy from her friends um, it he you know he's encouraging her to pursue the darkness 
that does feel very in line with Spike and where it Spike does. is. It does. And like I and I think I think he sees this opening because, you know, at the very beginning of the episode, you know, like it's it, it seems like they're getting closer. Yeah. And so I think um, Spike being who he is, such a toxic man. <laughs> he is um he's very much trying to use this moment to like oh this is my shot this is my chance yeah. um, maybe not the best of viewpoints but this is apparently all that Spike can do <laughs> uh, the next day Willow and Xander are walking to the magic box when uh, Tara comes out with a big book of magic a grimoire um they, uh, Xander excuses himself. There's a there's a cute moment between Xander and Tara. They just nod at each other, but it's sweet. Um, I, I do love. We're six seasons in, so it's not shocking. But these just these relationships feel so lived in mm-hmm. um, that even just little moments like a nod between two characters who are happy to see each other. It's actually. Nice. Um, I, I asked you about Ted Lasso earlier. Um, I just finished the show uh, last week, mm-hmm. and. Um, I will say that, like, overall, plot-wise, season three is a bit of a mess. Okay. Uh, but... Well, we're still early season three I know, for I know, listeners. I know, I know. Oh, no, I was clarifying for listeners, Yeah, that's where um, I am. But after, like, the character work from seasons one and two are done so well that by, by the time season three came, I honestly, like, the main thing that I wanted was just to see these characters together more. Yeah. And that was... That is what you get in season three, um, along with like the kind of interesting directions that the show takes. But I mean, it's still I liked it just because like I got that, and I love when a show is able to, um, even when you have a weaker season. Um, sitcoms do this so frequently. Yeah, uh, you have like weaker seasons, but if your ensemble is really strong up to that point, then it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm cool with watching this. I just, even if the episode's not great, I still love seeing these characters together. Yeah. And my personal favorite relationship on Ted Lasso, I don't think this is going to shock you in the slightest. It's Rebecca and Keely. I absolutely knew <laughs> what it was going to be. <laughs> they are so funny together. I just, I just, they're, I love that they are. Oh, wow. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Harrison likes the two main female characters on the show. Yes. But also just, I love that despite their, the fact that they are just polar opposites, they are 110% on each other's side in everything. Oh no, I fucking, and, I fucking love their relationship yeah. too. It's just that like, it's the it's most so on me. brand thing it's for so you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Tara tells Willow that she was looking for Buffy. Um, it's, it's sweet and sad at the same time where Tara tries to assure Willow that she wasn't, like, checking up on her, which actually kind of hurts Willow's feelings. Yeah. And I see both sides, because on one side, Tara's trying to assure her that it's like, I trust you, and I'm not spying on you or anything. Where from Willow's side, she's like, but I kind of want you to. Yeah. Like, she, well, she wants she wants to know that... Um, she cares. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why when she turns around, and you know, because Willow tells her, like, I'm doing really well... I'm even allowed to go to the magic box if With I'm somebody. accompanied at all times. <laughs> um, uh, so it is. it means a lot to Willow when Tara tells her 
I'm like unhappy you're doing well. Yes. Um, and Allison and, and uh, Amber just play the scene so beautifully. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, but yes, Buffy is like, or Tara does tell her like, I'm helping Honestly, Buffy out with know, something, and I, I need to find. You her. know, we were talking about how uh, how great the chemistry is between James Marsters and the whole cast, specifically Sarah Michelle Gellar. If I had to pick like two specific actors that had the best chemistry out of the entire like run of the show, mm-hmm. Amber Benson and Allison Hannigan are probably who I would pick. Yeah, I think I'd do. I think I'm there with you. Yeah, they're they're because you get the whole. You get the whole spectrum of emotions towards each other in their story, and it's almost always done well. Yeah. And it was there from... I mean, their chemistry is so good that, you know, their first episode, their first interaction has no dialogue. It's a touch. Mm-hmm. And that chemistry is palpable. I mean, God, they fucking grab hands and throw that vending machine across the room and my heart palpitates um that night this is where we get our needle drop that uh (laughs) was uh uh out of this world was that the the song by the band dust and it's bush bush not dust (laughs) um god damn it harrison His dark materials on my mind. Well, it, it's just, it's so funny, but have you been reading those? I, I read them, like, a year or so ago. Okay. But, but the third season aired recent of the TV show. Oh, aired, I forgot yeah, about the Like, TV a few show. months back. Yeah. Um, no, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, we just had, we just had, like, so much fun, um, once we realized that it was the band Bush, I was like, wait a minute, I know this band, <laughs> and, like, if we... I was like putting on like glycerin and come down like yeah this is like post grunge like mid 90s early 2000s hell yeah I don't know like we we mentioned that like the show doesn't do needle drops a ton um but when they do they really stand out I you know I'm thinking of um, Michelle Branch in Tabula Rasa. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a song called um, Let the Sun Fall Down by Kim Ritchie that appears, I think, in a season three episode um, or maybe a season one episode. It's an, it's a, it's when Buffy breaks up with one of her, like, one to two episode bo- boyfriends <laughs> from those early seasons. Um, and then, like, uh, you know, there's absolutely uh, the... Um... Like the constant needle drop of the of the song in "I Only Have Eyes oh, for You," an excellent one. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get one uh, in season seven by Amy Mann. She plays at the Bronze. This is actually my introduction to Amy Mann. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, I have a lot, and a lot of these artists, a lot of the music I listen to um, are songs I heard on TV shows. I'm like, oh, that was cool, and then went and looked up the artist. Um, no, and like this I, one was one that I just never noticed until this watch. For some reason, it really st- stood out. And I was like, oh, I love this. I want to know more. And then, yeah. Probably because you were, like, watching with me. And I, like, I, like, I listen to, like, real piece of shit music sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> nah. um, I, 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 un- I love me some butt rock, though. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I will say, um, probably, hands down, my favorite needle drop in any television show of all time uh, and this is a show that like perfected the needle drop. Uh, I think it's season four or maybe season five. I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, the Americans 
Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Um, God, The Americans has one of my favorites too. The end of season one with uh, um, Games Without Frontiers. Yes. Oh, that one fucking slaps. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the show also opens on one that hooked me. Uh, the show uh, opens on a chase scene set to Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. And I watched it. This show, I remember hearing about the show. I thought it sounded interesting. I watched the premiere at, when it was airing live at my aunt's house. I was house sitting. Like, it's very vivid memory. I heard Tusk start to play. That chasing happened, and I was like, well, I'm in. I'm all in. So, um, one last needle drop. Yeah. Uh, I think Smallville's got a few really good ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, Smallville's also got some real bad ones. Yeah, WB, CW shows have, like, a lot of needle drops, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do remember one specifically that sticks out in my head and it was um it was like the reveal in season six of like lex in Mm 33.1 and he's like he just like put somebody in one of the cells where he's like keeping a whole bunch of metahumans and he's like walking out the door and it's this song called uh it's by afi it's from their album december underground um I do not like I'm trying to make sure that I remember because it's got numbers in the title ah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah the thing is is like it's a very um, it's a very small like it's a short song it's like what opens the album but it is so dang good prelude 1221 okay. like we can listen to this afterwards or we can like watch the scene but sure. it is it's awesome okay. like and this song Slaps all fucking fuck, hell. Fuck yeah. Alright. Um, so, the seal drop happens. Uh, mm-hmm. Buffy tries to go to bed, but inst- or tries to go patrol, uh, but instead finds herself at Spike's crypt. Uh, Spike is pouring himself some blood while not shirtless, but he has got his shirt just open. Which is hotter. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was actually just about to say, like, I think that's actually hotter. Oh, yeah, this was fucking hot. And the like, lighting, if, the like... Yeah, no, man, like, if you've got, like, washboard abs, but you've got, like, the the button-down shirt that's, like, open, mm-hmm. that... Damn, Angel's man. Angel's done I, it a few times, I would, too. Yeah, it, I would rock that. I would rock that if I could. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, Dude, all right, time to work on my washboard abs. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, you know, like, you think, like, oh, guy coming home from work he has a job he's a very successful guy but like you know he's like he's had a rough day he's like worked really hard for everybody and now he's like just ready to just like you know i'm sorry jason first of all this is my job uh i'm the horny one that's not fair you can't just bogart horniness watch me I just, I, when I said I'm the horny one, that just made me think of the line in um, The Snowman, Doctor Who, uh, where he's talking to Strax, and he's like, I'm the clever one, you're the, <laughs> the potato, potato one. <laughs> Which, John loves that line and loves to say it to me all the time. No, it's, it's, it's fucking it's hilarious. Funny line. <laughs> um, she resists. Buffy resists. Uh, because she's not in there. She doesn't see... Yeah, what's happening that. so she is able to resist she doesn't see business daddy spike <laughs> <laughs> daddy spike um she so she resumes patrolling and that's when she hears a woman screaming 
Um, and this is where we get a really cool, really disorienting sequence where Buffy uh, sees Katrina crying on the ground. She's attacked by demons. At one point, so Spike is there. At like, first, I thought this was going to be like a modification of their time loop device. Mm. Um, it ended up being like uh, demons that they got a hold yeah. of. Um, which, I mean, you know, it's okay. That may have been like a bridge too far, but I feel like it also would have kind of it tied in, in a bit. Yeah, tied in more. But, I mean, what they do is still cool. Yeah. Basically, what we find out later from Anya is these demons, uh, when they're in our dimension, create basically like a localized time fissure where everything's out of whack. Um, it does... Anya does specify that it seems to only affect humans, um, which is why Spike seems uh, confused by what Buffy's doing, but not the situation. Um and yeah, throughout the fight, this like you know, scenes happen more than once. Like I didn't say scenes, but like little snippets of like dialogue, and it's all out of order until finally, uh, Katrina, quote unquote, runs past Buffy. Buffy, in her confusion, hits her. She goes down the hill. Um, at the bottom of the hill, Buffy finds the Katrina's body. And she's dead. Um, and they've killed the demons too, uh, Buffy and Spike. Um, Buffy, uh, Spike basically is just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and Buffy (laughs) thinks exactly what the trio wanted them to think. Uh, It's revealed that Jonathan had a glamour on, and he, uh, he was Katrina, um, for the purposes of the, of the, uh, of, like, the time. Yeah. Wibbly wobbliness. Um... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm glad you said something about the, the time loop device that Warren built because um, this is actu- actually some pretty beautiful manipulation on Warren's part. Um, in the, you know, we, we mentioned that for the cerebral dampener, all three of their talents were utilized. Mm-hmm. But here, when they're cleaning up Warren's murder... Very specifically, only Andrew and Jonathan's skills are used. Um, yeah, all Warren does is monitor it. Yeah. Um, it's his way of basically, you know, c- keeping his hands clean, so to speak, mm-hmm. and forcing the two of them to do the dirty work for him. Um, and that puts them at least um, psychologically more under his grip. I don't know if that was the intention of the writers, but... Um, that's how I am now viewing this, uh, what, this plan. Um, but yeah, Warren is fucking stoked. He's like, got away with murder, pinned it on the Slayer, um, and Jonathan, after he deglams, is looking pretty fucked up. Yeah, he's very disgusted, but Andrew's like, we got away with murder, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, we get... Uh, Spike insists that Buffy goes home, goes to bed. He's going to deal with it. Um, And she has a very fucked up dream where she's alternatively having sex with Spike, uh, killing Katrina, and killing Spike. And maybe in one of them having sex with Katrina. It was fast, but I was like, eh, might have been what was going on there. Um, And 
Buffy. I don't know. I just that made me think of that scene in the office where Creed's like, "I had sex with a lot of women." <laughs> And if a, if a man slipped in there, it's very possible that a man could have just slipped in there. Yeah. That's a good lie. Um, at one point, though, during the dream, at the very end of it, Buffy is straddling Katrina and asks, do you trust me? Call back. Um, and we just see Katrina's like, dead body with a stake in her heart. Um, so We see Spike with the handcuffs. Yes, and Spike with the handcuffs. Thank you. Because that was also, that imagery is really important. Um, so yeah, Buffy's pretty fucked up. Uh, she's, she's going through it. She gets up, she goes down to Don's room and she's all like, it even looks like, um, in like this rough part, this rough thing that she's going through that Spike comes back and, uh, is there to comfort her, but that's just a dream Mm -hmm. too. So... And it is interesting that the comfort aspect of it is part of the dream. Because mm-hmm. he's in the dream, he's very tender. He's very soft with her. Um, and she's the one who's really, really violent in the dream. And I, and I think that that's, that's what she wants out of Spike. But she also... And she knows that she can never get that from Spike. Yeah. Or she just kind of assumes that she can't. Right. Um, yeah, so she tells Don she loves her... She's like... Don's like, what's wrong? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and in fairness, the way Buffy is talking, she's like, I just want you to know I always love you and I'm sorry I wasn't good enough. Like, I will always um, love you. She tells Don... Um, that was my own male drop of the cure. <laughs> um, she tells Don that there was an accident. A girl got hurt. Buffy hurt her. Don asks, is she going to be okay? Buffy just says No. And Don is, Don is like, oh my god, Buffy, I love you. Like, comfort, comfort, comfort. And then Buffy's like, and I have to turn myself in. And Don's like, fuck you. <laughs> you absolute piece of shit. It's like, all right, I get it. You don't want to be near me anymore. Like, yeah, Don, I hate you so much. I'm ready to go take a murder rap just to get away from you. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, I mean, Don, go to school. <laughs> get a job, Don. Um, so, but I will say, I do. I understand where she, I disagree from her with her perspective, and I think she needs to take a step back. Um, but girl has been going through it. It's a complicated existence that it, she has. It is. It is. <laughs> um, do you? Have, I feel like we really touched on this too already, so I don't have anything we more can, to say about this. We can keep this. moving forward. Um... Spike uh, catches Buffy outside of the police station. Um, he tries to stop her from turning herself in. Um, he's like, you know, what are you going to tell them? Like weird time distortions and demons. And she's like, no, I'll just throw them in the body. And he's like, mm, took care of it. And she's like, oh my God. The, like the one funny part of the Yes. Episode. Yes. <laughs> Do like, you want to take it? Because you, you were tickled. Well, it was so great because he says like a... Don't worry, like don't worry, it's taken care of. They'll never find her. They're like, oh yeah, we found the body. Like immediately, <laughs> like there was that was the next line. Yeah, like they won't find it. Like yeah, we found the body. It washed <laughs> up on the, the river. The look of annoyance on Spike's face. Like god damn it. Yeah. Um, Spike does have like a couple really good lines in this though. Um, you know, Buffy says like a girl's dead because of me, and Spike says like, and how many people are alive because of you. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, of course, we had basically a, this exact same conversation in season three yeah. with Faith. Um, and I, I don't think that 
Spike is necessarily wrong. Well, it's like a... It's a needs of the many mm-hmm. versus the needs of the few. I mean, yes, like, Buffy... If Buffy were truly responsible, turning herself in, as she thinks, turning herself in would give justice for Katrina. But locking a Slayer away... Well, we already have one yeah. locked away. Now, now both um, of them are in jail. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Watchers Council's like, oh, we cannot keep these... We cannot keep these Slayers out of jail. <laughs> um, but, uh... But, yeah, like... If Buffy were in jail, she wouldn't be able to do the things that need to be done. Yeah. So, I mean, if we get into questionable morality here. Yeah, and... I, you know, this, and we know, I, I do think this is less about, it's not that Buffy is not seeking justice, because I do, she does feel bad, and she does want to do the right thing, but she also wants to be punished. She wants, you know, later in the episode, she wants to be told she's wrong, and to not be forgiven, because that's how she feels about herself, and she needs, she needs someone outside of her to validate how she's feeling about herself, yeah. which is, oof. But, because we know when Faith killed the mayor, or the deputy mayor, in season three, Giles says, like, it's not without precedent. Like, it's a violent job. People get in the way sometimes, and accidents happen, and there are procedures within this institution of the Watchers Council to deal with that. Faith, of course, is, you know, she's too far gone at that point to to accept that and you know she's just kind of like I'm the bad guy now whereas Buffy's going you know once again we're seeing Buffy be a mirror Buffy and mirror Buffy and Faith mirroring each other mm-hmm. um, and Faith isn't even girl, here. girl hasn't even been on the show for years <laughs> um, so so yeah I do think Spike is being really selfish when he's saying these things but I don't think what he's saying is without merit mm-hmm. um, uh, but Buffy's not interested, so she just beats the shit out of him. Yep. And, like, beats but, the shit out of him. But girl's also getting her, uh, getting other frustrations out as well. Mm-hmm. One could say that she's, uh, <laughs> she kind of, uh, what's, what's the right word for it? Um, she projects. She projects. <laughs> well, and she projects her fist into <laughs> Spike's face. She tells him, you're a soulless thing, you're evil, I could never be your girl. And, like, we've seen them hit each other before, mm-hmm. but she, like... He is, like, his jaw, like, his eyes are swollen, like, he's got cuts. Um, and to bring it back to Faith again, this is very, very similar to the scene where uh, Buffy, or Faith in Buffy's body, is punching herself Mm -hmm. and projecting all of her feelings of self-hatred. And I don't, you know, I do think these are deliberate... um, I think I think that's that's deliberate. I don't think it's um, an accident that we're seeing parallels to Faith here mm-hmm. and actions that she has done in the past in, in similar circumstances. And they may not necessarily be parallels to Faith uh, specifically. It's just that it's a, um, a what happens when you take this dark road. We've yes. already seen like Faith take the dark road, and now we get to see Buffy take a more deliberate pace down it. Yeah, and in a different way. Yep. Um, you know, she's self-destructing, uh, but, um, when Faith was self-destructing, Faith lashed out. Mm-hmm. Um, when Buffy self-destructs, she goes inside. Yep. Um, and that's been consistent for her characterization for the whole show. It's just 
we're seeing it over the course of a season as opposed to like small bursts of it um she goes inside the police station um she's about to turn herself in but she overhears the uh name of the victim katrina and detective buffy on the case um she puts it together like we knew she would because she's a smart cookie um and she leaves uh having made the connection between warren and katrina um just like jonathan said yep and i'm not like this feels we've seen buffy make these connections before she is smart um she's resourceful she is clever um so the next day at the magic box Anya's giving her the lowdown on what the demons were um and yes they're like Katrina was probably dead well before you met them uh she was the gang seems to think that the demons probably killed her but Buffy's like no I think Warren killed her and tried to make me think I did it um and she's like She's like fucking Uma Thurman. She's like, I'm coming for you, trio. Um, I am gonna kill Warren. <laughs> um, oh, watch out, it's Brenna. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do learn that the deeply stupid police of Sunnydale uh, rule Katrina's death a suicide. Um, I will say, apparently, the wounds... Uh, that Warren gave her allegedly are consistent with the fall down the hill. Um, but I, I don't, I just don't see someone committing suicide by hill. Um, it's yes, like the, the, the Sunnydale police are deeply like stupid jumping. Like I get, I, like, I don't know. It just seems dumb, but he's, uh, you know, He's like, great, we're we're in the clear. He's disappointed that Buffy didn't take the fall, but he's like, we clearly fucking rattled her, so that's a win. Um, and uh, Andrew's like, we see Andrew be like, yeah, he kind of falling towards Warren's side, uh, but Jonathan is deeply disturbed. Um, but he is going along with it still. Would have been a great time for a Neil drop from Disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Down with the sickness. So, before we get into this final scene of the episode, I do want to bring up a deleted line that happens during this scene. Um, And uh, trigger warning for people, I'm about to drop the F slur. Um, Quote, in the scene in which Buffy reveals to Tara that she has been sleeping with Spike... Uh, Buffy was scripted to lament how hard it is to lie to everyone about who she's sleeping with. Tara responded, uh, Sweetie, I'm a fag. I've been there. Dailies revealed that the lines were filmed, but cut in editing. Um, and yes, I have seen the, the footage of this scene. Um, it is real. Um, I'm of two minds of this. I... Well, I'm of three minds of this. Uh, that word deeply problematic but at the same time uh, many in the queer community are reclaiming it Um, not so much in the way that we've reclaimed the word queer for instance but um, a lot of gay people myself included like to use that word as some like dark gallows humor 
with that said, I only do that with very specific people who I know, like, aren't, you know, going to be traumatized or upset by it, you know, and I don't, I don't do it in just mixed company. Um, so there, there's that half of it. There's that third of it. I really, really like that sentiment from Tara. As a queer person, she knows that fear of being found out, you know, um, she knows uh, the shame of it, especially if you're it's still really, really closeted. There's a lot of shame that goes along with that. Um, that, you know, hopefully um, for many of us and um, hopefully for all of us, leads to liberation and, uh, and pride and rejection of that. But, you know, it's there. So the sentiment, I'm all on board with. There is not... There is not a day on God's green earth where Tara is ever going to say that word. Yeah. Like, um, that word is never coming out of this so woman's mouth. I wanted to weigh in on this, and I am not factoring in the validity of, like, saying that word in that context or not, because I frankly don't have the right to, to weigh in on that. Um, I just know that, like, hey, I should never use it. Correct. <laughs> Do uh, it, Jason. Say it. No. no don't. No, no. <laughs> not, not on the microphone. <laughs> no. Because um, you know I'll edit around it. My, uh, <laughs> I'll be like, welcome back to Booze and Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then you just have this random bit that you put in like, Jason, how on earth could you say that? <laughs> uh, the one where Harrison cancels Jason. <laughs> <laughs> my, my stance on this is coming purely from the character my knowledge of the character of Tara. And I feel like I agree with you, even in her most empowered state, I don't see Tara saying something like that. Yeah. And this isn't necessarily her most empowered state. We've noticed that her stutter is back a little Mm -hmm. bit in this episode. Yeah. Because I think like just the idea of, I, I think kind of being away from Willow and dealing with all that trauma and also having to, all, at the same time, be wary of Willow just in case something bad happens. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's kind of brought, like, made her regress a tad. Yeah. Um, so, again, I don't think she'd say that at her most empowered. I definitely don't think she'd yeah. say that now. It's also just very jarring for, a wo- like, a woman would not refer to, like, a lesbian woman, not to speak for lesbians, but, like, they already have a derogatory term that they have, uh, uh, you know, they, they are reclaiming, um, which is the D word, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not going to use uh, because that's not my word too. But um, even that I don't see Tara using. I see, I see t- uh, 20 years later so Tara using it when it became more acceptable, but I can see maybe Tara using that if somebody was giving her shit um, about it mm-hmm. or giving like or giving Willow shit about it yeah and maybe like it's she just kind of like had been keeping stuff pent up for a while and she comes back is like oh I'm sorry did you come here to make fun of the yeah I can I can see that yeah. um, I can see Tara like having that moment but that's a that's a very specific circumstance. Yeah. It's just so confronting in a way that Tara isn't. Mm-hmm. If she just said, I'm gay, I understand. Like, that, I understand. 
or that I, I believe, mm-hmm. for Terra. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but yeah, Terra tells Buffy that, you know, the spell didn't bring her back wrong. It just it made some minor changes on a very, very deep molecular level that she, you know, she compares to a sunburn or a tan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still Buffy. There's nuts. She didn't come back wrong. And this, um, it, and it basically it was just, just enough to fool the chip. Um, yeah. And she begs her to check again. Tara assures her that she's fine. And Buffy breaks down. She insists that there must be something wrong with her. That Why else would she have let Spike do those things to her? Which Tara pretty much figures out immediately. The first, at first she says, like, you mean hit you? And then when Buffy... Then she's it's like, like oh, oh, oh. Oh. And she... Buffy doesn't say a word. She just... Tara just gets it. Um, not shocking. Tara's a deeply empathetic person um, who's good at reading people. Tara was the only person to figure out that Buffy and Faith had swapped bodies, having never met either of them. <laughs> um, but she... Is God, this just... Bu- God, this Buffy girl that you're friends with is kind of a bitch. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> uh, and what does Tara do? She's 100% supportive. Mm-hmm. She tells him, or she tells her, she asks if she loves Spike, and she says, it's okay if you do. He's helped out a lot. He's done a lot of good things. But it's also goes, okay if you don't. Yeah, and and I, I think that's exactly the right thing for Tara to have said. Buffy takes it a bit the wrong way. She says, she basically turns it back on herself and says, oh, then I'm just using him. Like, that's not okay for me to do. And, um... She says, "Like it's it's more complicated than that. Yeah, it always it's is. so complicated." And Buffy just breaks down. She begs for there to be something wrong with her. She pleads. She is sobbing. She she's on the ground. She has her head in Tara's lap, uh, and she begs her to not forgive her. And Tara can't do anything except just be there for mm-hmm. her, which she fucking does. Yeah. And this is so raw and so like. I feel so bad for Buffy because I, w- I want to be like, there's nothing wrong with you. You have nothing to be forgiven for. But it doesn't matter to Buffy because that's not where she is. I, well, you should probably say sorry for beating the shit out of Spike. You did deserve it a little bit, but you probably still <laughs> yeah. shouldn't have done it. Yeah, he always <laughs> deserves it a little bit. <laughs> but uh... just because someone deserves it doesn't mean you should do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's heavy. It's a lot. But mm-hmm. I'm just... I, I, it should also be noted, Buffy also begs for her not to tell anyone, which Tara immediately Absolutely. promises her. Because Tara's in her corner. Yeah, and I mean, if there's one thing that gay people know how to do, it is keep a secret. Oh, yeah. Girl, you don't know. I was say, like, I apologize if that's, like, offensive to anybody, <laughs> but... No, it's... I mean, it's true. It is, like... Uh... It, it you know keeping secrets is almost hardwired into queer people um it's part of what keeps us alive unfortunately um but i also like being duplicitous so you know it helps 
<laughs> maybe maybe you're not my best barometer for how a typical queer person acts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Or just, or maybe scarily enough, you are. I, just, I, just, I know we brought this up on another episode we did. I'm just like, I just, why do I play like this villain version of myself when the microphone is on? Like, I mean, I I do joke like this in real life but I really turn it up to 11 when the mic is on I'm just like aren't I evil I know it's, it's a fun persona I like it people who listen uh, also as listeners I, I actually am like a decent person like I am deeply empathetic he, for he, people he is. And, like um, that being said if you get on his bad side oh yeah he will at the very least shit talk you to hell oh listen I last summer maybe summer before i don't remember um i i thought because of just a miscommunication that someone was like slighting john due to something that i did and i was i was ready to like burn things (laughs) i was ready to go after a uh a very prominent local person who i believed was you know basically like blacklisting my husband wasn't it was a typo John didn't get an email that he was supposed to get because of like a typo or something or he got accidentally <laughs> left off the list but I was, was ready, ready to, to go, burn shit I down. was ready to go full scorched earth <laughs> and it's so funny because between the two of us um John's the one who's like very emotional off the bat and I'm like cool collected let's talk about this let's figure it out and he was like, Harrison, I think you need to calm down. And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, another reason why, like, I love you. You are, like, you You are family to me. However, I do thank my lucky stars that I'm on your good side most mm-hmm. of the time. And listen, <laughs> you ever need me to do something about it, <laughs> I got you. I know what I've heard stuff. I got you. <laughs> I can make it look like an accident. I'm doing it again. I, I should be, should be very thing. careful about what we say going like, forward. I don't. I'm not an arsonist. All right, Jason. <laughs> dead things. Um, yeah. This uh, it is very heavy. I feel like it it deals with most of its heavy stuff very well. I was not as Sarah Michelle Geller was. I was not a fan of that um, balcony scene. Um, and it. It just felt so off-putting, but not like the intended off-putting that we got from like the scene with Katrina mm-hmm. in the maid outfit. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I do like how the trio's true natures are finally revealed. Um, and uh, yeah, I like the moments with Buffy and Tara. I like the moment with Willow and Tara. Um, I think it. I think this episode sometimes reaches for a melodrama a little too much mm-hmm. um, but not enough to like make it just be like oh god I don't want to watch that again if it if there's a reason that I don't want to watch this episode again it's because I don't want to be fucking depressed when I'm <laughs> done with it I'm yeah. gonna give this uh, four um, four like uh, dips of dawn <laughs> yeah. in, the, in, the, in the term of dancing yes. the, the dancing term dip four dips of dawn out of five yes. not like dip and tots of dawn dip and dawns I don't know what that was <laughs> <laughs> that was nothing um, uh, this is nothing isn't it <laughs> I, 
No, I, yeah, I think this is a strong episode. It's funny, um, when I first watched Buffy, I, um, there was a review website that I read. I don't think it's there anymore. I looked for it recently and couldn't find it. But, um, they did, like, an episode-by-episode review, and they were spoiler-free, um, and I would, I would read the reviews after I watched each episode, because the guy who wrote them was really, really, um, which is really perceptive and had really good, um, good analysis, and I enjoyed it, um, but I remember watching this episode and liking it, but, um, I, I didn't think it was really anything special. But this guy actually gave it a perfect score. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have done that. But I read his analysis and I was like, oh my God. I, I, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that was going on in this episode, I think part, I was 17, so like, <laughs> I was just not very smart. Um, you had been through the, the trauma. Yeah, right. So I, um, I, you know, I wouldn't personally give it a perfect score, but I, I do think it's really complex in the way it's dealing with all this stuff, particularly Buffy's arc. Um, yeah, and this this turn for Warren in particular, but the trio as a whole as well. And um, I just think it's a really strong episode. That balcony scene, though, it really it's it's a mark. It's it's a, it's a full star off for me. Like, um, uh, so I'm gonna say four stars as well. Um, I wanted to add yeah. on. Um, We've mentioned before that, uh, you know, the trio don't seem like as threatening of a villain, of a big bad, as we've had before. And that kind of allows the emotional arc to take front and center for this season more than it ever has before. And this episode very much shows important points of that emotional arc especially for Buffy. Yeah. So, I also and I think I might have said this in an earlier episode I can't remember, but just I'll throw it in here just for the record. How do you how do you top a hell god as a villain? I actually do think that there's just narratively speaking, it's smart to not even try to to go to your next villain after some a villain as insanely powerful as Glory to to not even try to go bigger than that. Yeah, it's in Dexter kind of suffers from that because I actually really enjoy season five of Dexter. Mm-hmm. I mean, most Dexter fans out there absolutely love season four, and as they should. Yeah. John Lithgow as the Trinity Killer is, you know... Tour de force. It, yeah, tour de force, and that is peak Dexter. Mm-hmm. But Johnny Lee Miller as Jordan Chase is really, really good. Yeah. The episode in season five, Take It, where he's at Jordan Chase's convention... That episode is like, you know, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. But everybody, like, constantly, like, they think, like, oh, show starts to go downhill right after season four. No, no, no. Not yeah. true, my friends. I think that, unfortunately, season five just had the, the unfortunate timing of following season four. Yeah. And Dexter was, like, a show that had such highs and lows that you, it's really hard to kind of think of it as one like big show and more just like oh this is the good period this is the great period this yes. is the bad period yeah um i will yeah. say well i i disagree with people who say that like it goes downhill after season four because i also think quite highly of season five um i do think that season four is responsible for one of the things that uh does take the show down it's less than stellar path in the later years 
and that is the death of Rita. Yeah. I think that was a mistake. That character, I don't know that she shouldn't have died necessarily, but she shouldn't have died then. Mm-hmm. Um, the show, because from then on, the show became a lot of recurring love interests for Dexter that were, didn't work. Yeah. Uh, but this is not a Dexter podcast. No. Um, and, and we're probably not going to do one We're nah. <laughs> <laughs> Um So yes, that was Dead Things. Um, an auspicious episode to come back to after after a brief hiatus. Um, but um, I'm glad we were able to have that discussion because it was, it was a lot. But um, Yeah, we talked about like Michael B. Jordan and Indian food yeah. and, you know, other more important stuff as well. <laughs> Uh, all right. Would you like to take us out, Jason? I guess I should. Uh, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 3, Episode 14, Couplet, which is one of my favorite ways to rhyme. Yes. Uh, I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yummyj 357 and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those instances. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. And uh, each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. Um, I didn't come with a specific one this week, um, but uh, there is currently a human rights. Uh, crisis uh, in the Mediterranean. Well, yes, quite. Uh, but specifically in the Mediterranean, um, a uh, boat with uh, several hundred Pakistani refugees uh, sank. Many people are dead. Many people are missing. Um, and uh, this incident has not gotten the media attention or the uh, resources that a certain other incident that I'll just, I won't name, but um, uh, has. So please, you know, do what you can to, um, to, to spread the word, donate resources that you have to causes that help refugees uh, all over the world. Um, you know, this crisis is one of many refugee crises, uh, crises uh, that we are constantly facing in the world so and also kind of like take away this message that it's it's so easy to look at the news coverage and just see like what is getting the attention and sometimes you have to do your own work to see who really needs the attention agreed agreed so without that being said go slay and be a Gay. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.